you for your love that is constantly with us thank you because your your heart doesn't shift concerning us always tender in your love always full of mercy plenteous in mercy thank you for the mercy that has brought us together this morning for it's not of him that wills of him that runs, but is of you that show mercy. Thank you, our Father. Lord, we just come fully. We bring our hearts. We bring our attention. We bring our person, our being, the wholeness of our person under that mercy today. We ask, oh God, come and speak to our soul. Speak to our mind, Amen. speak to our heart, Amen. speak to our depths. I pray, Lord, that you will find ease this morning, ease of conversation. I pray, O oh God, let not, no aspect of our heart be hidden from the sword of your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord, I bring myself under you. Lord, I stand here having nothing to say nothing of myself to say, but Father, you are the one who saves by your saving word. I ask, Lord, breathe upon my vessel afresh. Put upon me a fresh breath, a new breath, O oh God, and make me a channel, a conduit this morning through which your people, your children, will be blessed. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit of God, come and quicken thoughts, thoughts that will cause there to be a transaction of life. I will cause there to be a flow of life from the heart of the Father, even to our own heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We receive, we clothe ourselves with the spirit of meekness, brokenness, the heart that trembles at your word. Thank you, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, okay, let's open our Bibles to... Uh, let's see the book of Revelation. I think we started looking at... Praise God. Revelation chapter 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Okay. Um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, praise God, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony 
of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Amen? Okay, let's settle down if we can. Too much movement. Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Um, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Amen. And so we see that this revelation um, is a revelation that is particular. We say that the authority of this revelation, authority in the sense of the, the author, the source of this revelation is God himself, right? And God gave this revelation to Jesus Christ, his son, and so that he will show unto his servant these things which must shortly come to pass. Glory to God. Uh, one thing that's key with God is um, God is, he is to man, at least for now, until we are able to come into the, the place that fulfills God's expectation for us. God is a savior. Do you understand that? that that's actually the, it's the primary um, kind of relationship that uh, we should have with God. And I think on Wednesday we try to separate a little bit between the persons of God, right? The, the Holy Spirit who is God, the, the Jesus Christ who is the second person, who is also God, the Father who is also God. And so these beings, they have personalities which you know, have specific characteristics and which, through which they relate with us, amen. amen. Uh, but when we speak about God, Himself, and we also said the Bible makes a separation um, between the those relationship of those persons to us, and the result. Beside that, there is a function of their 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 godhood or their divinity. In the book of Ephesians, like I said, he referred to him as the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus. So he's also He's a God, and he's also a father. In um, what book was that when Jesus had resurrected from the grave, and then Mary came to the tomb, remember? And then when Jesus permitted her to see him, when she eventually recognized him, he said, I'm going to who? I'm going to my God, my father, your father, and my God, and your God. That's John chapter 20 verse 17 says that Jesus said unto her, touch me not for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them that I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and what? And so before then, um, Jesus did not really refer to God as 
their own father. Of course, he spoke about God being his father a lot of times throughout his ministry on the earth. He kept referring to him as my father, my father. But he had, he did, I don't remember maybe but where he ever referred to God as the father of any of them. Except maybe when he was teaching them to pray. You know, when he said, okay, pray in this way, our father who art in heaven. But that, that teaching was just, it was a teaching that he wasn't really necessarily telling them that they had come necessarily into that relationship. Praise God. And it's very clear that what begins, um, what initiates this kind of relationship at the, the basic point is the new birth. At the fundamental level, the new birth is what makes you able to call God your father. Now, there's a sense in which we use the word father. We, people say, even in the world, those who are not Christians, um, they say God is the father of all, is the father of all men, or things like that. You know, say, people say, we are all children of God. Uh, speaking about everybody in the world. In a way, okay, you understand the sense that they're just saying that maybe God created all of us. Praise God. Uh, but in the Bible, um, the word father, you see father, not just father, but also even the word God. You know, when we think of God, you know, the Bible just starts, in the beginning, God created. You know, we see God as a creator. Now, that sense of God as a creator doesn't define a relationship. I don't know if you get my sense. It doesn't define a relationship with man. God is a creator, but you see, when we go deeper into the scripture, you now realize that there is a definition of, of what the relationship is. In other words, God is a creator, but that God who is a creator can become a person's God. Yes. Do you understand that? Yes, that the fact that he created the world doesn't mean that he who created the world or the God who created the world is your God. Yes, yeah. We even saw the Israelites, those are people who are special, who God picked special interest in. Throughout the Bible, one of the, I mean, the main theme of the Old Testament was those Israelites constantly rejecting him and choosing other gods, that idolatry. And that was one of the main things the prophets kept dealing with, that you guys are an adulterous people, an adulterous generation, right? Because you don't want to accept God, amen, as your God. So you see that God becoming a God to you is not something that is, is not a, um, is not a cliche, is our God, or where you just say, maybe even because I'm a Christian, then he's therefore my God. If we use the word that way, it has no meaning. Do you understand me? Uh, so we have to understand what is the meaning for, um, you know, what makes the difference between you and an unbeliever, it's not just that you call him your God, that there are specific things about that relationship that 
makes a soul positioned under him yes. as a God. Yes. Amen. And that's what is 2 Corinthians began to speak about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, where he said, come out from among them. You know, he was just speaking about the idolatry. Let's see 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 6. Amen. Amen. Are you understanding me? Yes, okay. Um, there's a place, um, something stirring in my heart, but um, it's, we need to visit some things that we've taken for granted because in those statements uh, are buried truths. You get that? If you just take them like that, you will lose the meaning. Yes, you know, if, if God just remains a cliche, then it means then he will mean nothing in this world. And that's part of the problem with um, Christianity is facing today in the world. We have the crisis where those who are not Christians look at Christians and don't understand what's the point. If the difference between you and I is that you go to church on Sunday, I go to, I stay at home and watch Netflix. You sing and dance. I also sing and dance maybe in a dance class or you know, and other places. You understand what I mean? That what is the, it's difficult for, for people to see what is the difference between you who, who's, who's, who claims a personal relationship with the God of the universe and myself. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there is, a, there is skepticism with Christians in general in Going into, the, going into the depths of scriptural wisdom. And the, you know, the, Bible, the body of Christ has gone through different seasons, different dispensations, right? Um, the body of Christ has been in a dispensation where um, people have really focused on scriptural um, knowledge pursuit of God through the searching of the scripture, but that has been done predominantly in a season without the, the riches and the administration of the spirit of God. For example, there was a time on the earth for, for maybe, maybe not, of course, not across the world, but even in the US, the, the, the Baptist movement, for example, in the, in the United States was, is a very scriptural movement. So when you see someone who is from a Baptist church, they, are, they, they swim in Sunday school. <laughs> Sunday school is their, uh, that's the real church. You know, for our own people of our own origin, you know, we love the singing, the dancing, we love, uh, praise God. Back home in Nigeria, we sing and dance and sing and dance. Even when the preacher is preaching, sometimes he leaves the message <laughs> to pick up the chorus. <laughs> because we have our own you know, predisposition towards things. Um, but I mean, I visited the Baptist church once when I was, that was here in, here in um, Ottawa in 2000. That must have been 2014 now. I think 2014 or 2015. And to be honest, I'd never really 
visited a Baptist church before. I have listened to Baptist churches online, watched their messages, but uh, when I visited this place, it was different, because I was coming from a Pentecostal church. Pentecostal church, a church that is about prayer. You, are, you have to pray. Pray until you feel the prayer inside. Yeah, you get what I mean? That's just, church is about praying. And constantly, there are constantly things to pray for. You know, praise God. But in this church, I, I sat at this church, and I was just watching, and I saw that these guys are completely different. Um, they, all they care about is opening the Bible. They just, and they don't, this is what I perceive from fellowshipping with them was, they didn't, they didn't feel too much about wanting to feel God. Uh, you know, wanting to, to and I'm not saying all Baptist churches are like this. I'm just telling you what I've observed and what I'm, I've noticed in differences is that there is that, um, that emphasis on just learning the Bible, you know, very, very um, scriptural, you know, and not pay, they pay close attention to the letter of the scripture. Praise God. Um, that was unique to me. And also, not just because of my own church, because I've also been to a few other Pentecostal churches in Canada that are not even maybe a lot of African or Nigerian, um, but pure Canadian Pentecostal churches. Praise God. And one thing I've noticed is that the, praise God, there is, there is a weariness that is setting in the body of Christ concerning the detailed work of exploring the wisdom of the Bible. Do you get me? Um, there's an attitude, it's, it's, a, it's pervasive, and I, I've, I perceive it among Christian cultures in the West, especially in Canada, where it is almost seen as, um, it's almost seen as too, um, the, the difference between letter and spirit-inspired learning is not clear. Praise God. So you find in a lot of cultures, they don't believe you should be going deep into the Bible, maybe in a church service. They believe maybe many of those things are for Bible school. All right, Bible school or those who have special interests. <laughs> to go into details. You understand? More of the emphasis is just on, um, there's a, in the Pentecostal circles here, there's an emphasis a, a little bit or in varying degrees in churches on the spirit of God, having a relationship with the spirit of God, fellowship with the spirit of God, being led by the spirit. But there's a whole lot more emphasis on um, how on um, works, when I, when I say works, I mean the essence of living out your Christianity, and which all usually manifest in maybe doing missions, 
evangelism, outreach, giving, things like things that are manifest, a lot of emphasis on me reaching out to others, things like that, praise God, which is awesome and very good. Uh, but the, the problem with that is it is done based on an assumption. So if you don't spend time in the word of God and you, you decide to do things for God, most likely you are doing that from an assumption that you know what God wants. Is from, from an assumptive place and a very shallow place. You know, where you feel like, just get saved, just start preaching the gospel, going on mission trips, you know, giving money, and all of those things. Do you understand me? So something that's being lost right now in the body of Christ is that, in, that investigation. Like I said, it's been done in time past, but people have gotten weary of it because it's been done predominantly without the guidance of the Spirit, without the inspiration of the Spirit of God, without what that revelation calls, the, that word revelation. Praise God. He's called it the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. I love that verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Who gave it? God. Which God? You mean Jesus did not even assume? If anybody had a right to assume anything, was, was Jesus. Do you understand? And I want you to picture Jesus of Nazareth being unknown in the world, the Son of God, until he was around 30 years old. Mean that in all those years, he never made any assumption about what it means to please his father. He kept learning. In fact, when he eventually came on the scene, he was very reluctantly. When there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and then his mom knew who he was. So his mom was trying to, you know, can you fix? My friends are doing a wedding and there's no wine. Can you do something? I know who you are. You can't. <laughs> Praise God. I know you can take care of this situation. But the Bible says he was reluctant. Why? He said, my hour. He told his mom, um, John 2 verse 4, he said, Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not what yet come. And before this time, why he said, my hour is not yet come, we know he's not just speaking, just only about calendar date when maybe God might have told him, this is the date you start ministry on the 22nd of you know, August in the year. I don't know how they put but that's not the hour. You have to check what Jesus was engaged with before this season to understand what defines the coming of his hour. When you look at the book of Luke from chapter one, when he began to chronicle his growth and the child grew, he worked strong in spirit. He was learning it. At the age of 12, you saw his development at a level, going into this, the synagogue and arguing about the father's business. Praise God. So that will tell you that the, the definition of his hour had to do with, de- of, with, a, with coming into full comprehension. Jesus himself made reference to that when he spoke concerning, my meat is to do the will of my father and to finish it. If someone says, my, I need to do something and finish it, it means that that thing is not an arbitrary 
thing. It means that it has a definition. For you to have the concept of finishing something, it means that that thing has, you could do it unfinished. It means there is some specification concerning the will of the Father. It's not up to your decision. It's not up to your interpretation. It's not up to your assumption. It's not up to your feeling. There is nothing in the human feeling that can correctly interpret the will of God or the mind of God. No matter how good the thought, no matter how good the endeavor or the ambition, there's nothing in man that can independently discern and accurately perceive the will of God. Are you understanding me? So my point to you is just that before you come into a season of works, there must be season of revelation. And it's clear, unless we want to be um, lazy and presumptive, it's very clear to me that the body of Christ, we we have not exhausted the season of revelation. I feel we haven't even done very well that we are, the average Christian is ignorant concerning God's will. Amen. Amen. And this is something, it's a, it's, it's a kind of sickness that, say, that Jesus needs to heal. The Lord needs to heal in the church. He needs to heal in the church even, and I, I would say, especially the church in the developed world, in the Western world. Why is that? Is because the, the, the church in the Western world has gone through a circle. Right. What is the circle? The circle, first of all, of knowing God. Um, in Europe, the Great Awakening happened, the revival of living by faith. And that, has, that, that birthed different denominational movements upon the earth for centuries. Glory to God. And it got, it got to a point where nations in the West now felt they, they had a handle on Christianity and began to take Christianity to other nations. That's how it came to Africa and other nations of the earth. But I think that thing has a, the ability to give some kind of complex about a, a kind of feeling of accomplishment concerning knowing God, concerning the knowledge of God. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Which we must be, const- we must be careful about. Yes. Amen. Um, and because of that, with this Western world, I see, and I'm speaking not about those who are unbelievers. I mean those who are Christians. Our deepest sickness, our strongest sickness in this world when among Christians is our presumption about God, about who he is, about what his will is about what he, what he requires of man, what he desires of man. Now, you know, after, when you become a master of something, it's hard to go back to this, to the, yes. going back to the drawing board. It's very difficult. At some point, the prophet Jeremiah, you know Jeremiah was, a, was an awesome prophet. He was, he was a great prophet. At some point, the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of, spoke to him. He said, the word of God came to me. He said, get up. Go down to the potter's house. There I will cause you to hear my word. This was God speaking to a prophet. 
Have you read that before? Say, get up and go to the portal. Maybe the Lord has been, maybe, you know, Jeremiah has, been, has spoken, he has prophesied. Then he, maybe he got to a point where the Lord now had fresh things to say. But the prophet is already a prophet. Yes, <laughs> and that's one thing with prophets. When you become a prophet, you can get so used to speaking and you forget hearing. <laughs> you know, he was the one who said that the word of God is burning like fire, right? right? In my bones. So he felt he has everything. That you just need to release all that he has received. The, the world needs to be ready for him to take all that he has. But God said, look, I've been trying to speak to you for some time now. I've not been able to access you. You've been prophesying. Thank you for prophesying. But I have, I have words to say to you. He said, okay, get up. Let's, let's, let's do an exercise. Let's... Let me remind you, that's Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 2. It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Jeremiah 18, yes, 1 to 2. The Lord which, so from before this 18, he has been prophesying. Praise God. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will, I will cause thee to hear. Do you understand me? So why, why did he take him to the potter's house? I want to teach you, yes, you've been prophesying, but to hear me more, yes, we need to bring you back into, to see that the, the, the potter is not subject to the clay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You can't, when the potter molds the clay into a beautiful, Vessel. The clay can't say, Don't, I'm beautiful now. I'm ready. I'm ready to serve the world. Yes, sir. The clay will say, Congratulations, Porter. You did a good job. Your, jo your job is finished. Now release me to the world. But what will happen? I don't know if, the, if they, what did he see? Did he show what he saw? And I went down to the Porter's house, and behold, he wrought a walk on the wheels. Verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the prophet. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. So what they're telling you, God was trying to speak to the prophet. Then he said, you're not hearing me because you feel you are a made guy. Okay, now get up. Praise God. You feel you have the message. Praise God. So get up, go where? To the potter's house. So he showed him the potter in a moment where he made something. But it wasn't to his taste. And he took it and he broke it again. That's how God is, right? Praise Jesus. He took it and he did what? He broke it again. And made it according to what? As it seemed good to the potter. This is how we need to see God. You must constantly be willing to be remade. Constantly. That's uh, the, the revelation, the heart that God reveals himself to must be postured a certain way. You must be a clay in the hand of the potter. 
What does that mean? It means that you must never find yourself taking a shape and assuming that that shape is the end. Do you get because the, in the, the hand of the potter, he doesn't sometimes, most times, the potter doesn't make his best work first. Now, when he made the first work that he didn't like, his best was still inside him. Sometimes, uh, if you're an artist here, you, you might understand the artistic process. That sometimes the, uh, uh, the, the artist might be going somewhere, but he will try to you know, experiment or, you know, he will, he will produce something that is not the, the finished product. It's, an in, it's the develop, it can be the developing of a thought in his, in his heart. It, it, anything artistic operates that way. Like, the, look at the asking musician, what's your creative process? He will tell you that it's not, it doesn't just write the song, verse, chorus, verse two, chorus, verse three, chorus, notes, write the sheet, that's it send it to the production company. No, sometimes the sound will come, he will sleep with it, in the middle of the night he's hearing another sound, he will adjust, this, adjust it. Do you get what I'm saying? There's something about when the, the, the bringing forth of, of a perfect work takes iterations, it's an iterative process. Are you getting me? That's a sense that we must have with God. And because of that, there's a state, a perpetual state of meekness, which you must be in. Meekness, what does it mean? What is the meaning of meekness? Meekness, if I can describe meekness with this light, meekness just means constant availability to be broken again. Right, being, being constantly available to what? be broken again, mm. praise God. Hallelujah. When the Lord brings, and when I say broken, it means that what might is broken can be something the Lord made at a point. Yeah. I'm not even saying that what he's breaking is something that I'm talking about. He's saving you. Yeah. Then he will, and that thing he wants to break, you are too sure God made this thing. Yeah. You are, so it's not a thing like, you know that you didn't concoct, concoct that thing. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, sir. Thank you for, for fellowshipping with us. God bless you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So you are very sure that it wasn't you who made that thing. You, you can give your details of your dealings, you know, coming into this thing, this revelation. You know, the Lord spoke to me. I went through this. I went through that. I'm convinced <laughs> that this was God's work. You can even argue it. When you argue with scriptural backing, with examples, you have, you have riches of understanding concerning that posture. We know that this is what God is doing at the, in the earth. Amen. Amen. Like, this has played out now. It's like when the Lord did the work to show the image of Christ to us, right? Then he said, this image, this image now is called Christ. And what was he using to show? Maybe he's using the clay of scriptures. That's how the spirit operates. He will reach into the, the scriptures. You know, he, the scripture has materials for building image. So the Holy Ghost will reach into the scripture, put joint scriptures together, and arrange them to show the image of Christ. Then after a while, we say, okay, let's go back again. And now, we're not destroying Christ. That's an image. But we can reach into the riches of scripture and 
reconstruct it again to show a higher life than the life of Christ. Do you get me? God, that's God's nature. God can do that. God does that. One of, one of the remarkable moments I had while this was even pre word of righteousness, um, walking with God was when the Lord told me that revelation is progressive. That was not even word of righteousness, that was in the milk level. Because I, I, could, I had a difficulty, I was a bit of, I won't say obsessed, but um, when I was a, a baby Christian, when I started growing up, I was really, I really had a lot of interest and I invested a lot in the concept of hearing God, like hearing his voice. Because I used to, I would read books and I would listen to preachers and I, the Lord told me, I said, ah, ah. <laughs> well, I was, praise God. Very easily, just the Lord, I say, ah, ah, just like that. The Lord, the Lord just told you, Shah, just easy. When people like me, we, we pray and pray and pray, you know. <laughs> Sometimes after praying for hours, you're as confused as, you're more confused than when you started praying, amen. You wish, why did I even, at least I knew what to do before. Why did I even pray, amen. So that's something that really, I was really interested in, trying to get God's voice. And, and I was doing it in a practical way, um, which is in my life, you know, should I do this? Should I go here? When I, feel, when I feel the Lord has spoken to me concerning something, amen. I'll I just hold it. This is settled. God has said this. I expect that thing to play out exactly but there are many times when God will say something as if it's one direction, he will then come again and just change everything. <laughs> Praise God. In the Adam milk level, um, I, I mean, there was okay, an example. Maybe one of the summers, I, uh, I had to pay my school fees back then, okay? Because I have to walk. My, my dad sometimes wouldn't send, he wasn't able to send my tuition fully. So I would need to work during the summer. Uh, and so, but when I was in school then, sometimes I would take, a, I would take classes, I'm not able to pay. Because of that, you know, I have, they put my hold, you know how they do those? Yeah. Those, not, those guys, they know how to do, to, they know how to make you feel it when you're here. If not balance the account, amen. amen. So there's something called hold. They put a hold on your account. Yes, sir. Then the problem then was that when they put a hold on your account, it affects your study, your work permit, your work permit. Uh huh. So there's something called off-campus work permit that they give to you, which you work with in the summer. But when you have a hold in your account they can take it back. That is a fluid thing. They can just take it back, so you're not sta in good standing. Praise God. So I had a hold in my account. I'd already made plans that summer. I, I traveled to Calgary. I school in Winnipeg, but I traveled to Calgary to go and work. Praise God. So when I, I went there um, to Calgary, hoping to work, and then the lady from school, who was 
dealing with my file, told me, look, you are, you've not paid, you're on hold, so we have to, you have to send us back your work permit. So I began to pray and pray about it and ask God, what are you doing in this thing? Do you, you, are you the one who sent me here to work? Because I was very sure I was led. Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. I was very sure I was what? Because uh, that's how I was mentored. The person who mentored me was like, there was a military guy, so you don't do things. You don't even think about things unless God has told you to think. <laughs> Everything you're doing must praise God. So I, I felt I was led out there. So I began to ask the Lord, okay, what, what's going on? Why, uh, you know, why is this? Why can't you just make a way around this thing? Praise God. So I kept praying. So I, I, I prayed and prayed, and then somewhere inside my heart, I, I got a, con a conviction, some sort of clarity inside of me that that summer I wasn't supposed to work. That that summer the Lord wanted me to, to pour it into some things, other things apart from work. Um, so I said, I removed my mind from working entirely. I said, okay, this is what you want me to do, no problem. I took the work permit, I mailed it back to the woman, take your property. Let me focus on what God wants me to do. Praise God. So I was very clear then. I was like, okay, God, you, you said I should come here. So this is why you brought me here. Actually, it's not to work. It's to just focus on other things. So my mind was that this woman would take her work permit and everything. But it turns out that in that term before, I had missed, a, I missed an exam. Okay? Praise God. The way I missed the exam was a little bit funny. <laughs> the exam was for 9 a.m., but somehow, I don't know, I had the revelation it was for like one, was it 12, 13, something like that. <laughs> so it, it's possible maybe I had checked the thing in my dream or something, but <laughs> So I woke up at, uh, was it 12, around 12 or so? Not 12, maybe 12, 11. Le around 11, some in the morning, Sha, yes, just woke, waking up, trying to prepare for my class. I said, let me just check the thing. I, just, I realized that the exam has started, so I just, <laughs> I, couldn't, I didn't even wait for, wait for boss. I just started running. I ran to the exam hall, so as soon as I, I walked into the hall, I'm so sorry I'm telling these stories, but <laughs> as soon as I entered the hall, I saw the prof, because the prof knows me, so he just sighted me coming. I saw horror on his face. <laughs> Amen. So as soon as I came, he just he said I just forget it. There's no way that I can. He knows he knew that I can. He knew I won't be able to catch it. Uh, so he said no problem. We'll figure it out. So it turns out we're able to. He agreed to do like a receipt for me in the summer. So it meant I needed to fly back from Calgary in the summer to pack to Winnipeg to come and rewrite the exam. Praise God. So at this point, that was when I had given up. It's time to do the Lord's work in Calgary. It's not time to work. So when I came to Winnipeg, writing the exam, after writing the exam, as soon as I just came out of the exam, trying to think of my flight was later in the evening, that same day. You know what happened? I got a, a was it a phone call or an email, one of the two, from the lady who received the thing that I emailed for her. First, it was an email. It was strange. 
She said that she got my work permit. She has sent it back to the government, because normally they send it back to government. And when they, once they get it back, they, they, they destroy it, because the, the, the thing is gone. So she said she has sent it back to the immigration guys in government. She said, but go to the government office and tell them that you are OK, you are in good standing, and they should give it back to you. <laughs> I understand my confusion. And to me, it was very clear it was God that was at work because yeah. it doesn't, that thing doesn't happen. Yes, yeah. Try and go to immigration and tell them that you submitted <laughs> something, they should give it back to you. <laughs> Are you understanding me? So I was in a place where I felt God, so much clarity about it's not, not working. Just going, this summer, sowing it in some of God's stuff. I need to do it in Calgary. But I, I now saw God began to work. I said, what is, what's going on? I said, okay, let's see. She, yeah. Amen. Amen. Let me just obey. So I had release. I went to my heart. So I, I looked for the address of the government office. I went to the government office. I, I walked in there and I, I spoke to them, okay, um, my work permit is here somewhere in this building. Because yes, my school, <laughs> the person that looked at me just, you know when someone looks at you, but no, no hope. Like, okay, if you say so. That's the office of the person. <laughs> and as I went to the office of the person who is in charge of that stuff, apparently that's the guy who destroys it. And maybe he gets it and he, he takes information and then he tears them or he treads them. When I got them, I told him, he was, he was shocked at, what do you mean they told you? But it doesn't happen. Then he asked, what is even your name? Then I told him my name. The thing I was at the desk, his desk at that moment, because he recognized my name from when I told him was my work permit. He was about to shred it. And he just looked at me, just said, take. He gave it to me. <laughs> I took it back. <laughs> Praise God. As I, I went to the airport, went back to Calgary. Amen. Now, that was when I now began to I, that, I was puzzled by that thing. Because at each point, I was, I was very careful about going, doing God's will, but I kept seeing God do different things. Like, why are you trying to confuse me? That was why he now told me, I'm trying to teach you something. He said that revelation is progressive. He said, when, whenever you, no matter how sure you are, when I speak to you, by the next moment, you must be open to hear. Then he now began, that was when he began to show me the whole Abraham thing. Get up. Go, a land that I will show you. He didn't tell him the land. When he got, he has stopped from here. Now look as far. That's, you know, you could have easily told him, this is the map, that land there, that's where I'm taking you. He didn't do it that way. Same thing. Go on. Your only son, the only son whom thou lovest, go and kill him. He took, did the obedience. He has given the son. He has killed him in his heart. About to remove his head. Hey, stop. We are not killing him anymore. Now imagine that Abraham had not been schooled in progressive revelation. Isaac would die for nothing. When he raises that thing and you hear, stop. I bind you in the street. Get behind me. He will feel that it's the evil spirit that wants to stop the obedience that he has. 
Because he has already cried, he has already wept, he has already given him. But he could still hear the voice of God. You see, are you getting me? That's what the Lord was showing me that. So you have to be, you have to be very careful. Then, then I, I then became more very careful with God spoke to me. I, I still believe in hearing God, but with a kind of mind. It's a kind of meekness. And I, I, I now became clear that, okay, if God can do this, what are the things that he hasn't said yet? Do you understand? You must never, and the Lord was preparing my heart gradually to encounter a word of righteousness. So that when I see that word, I won't say, no, this is how it is. I have proof, I have results, word of faith. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? That's the kind of mind that you must be armed with if you want to journey with God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm saying that this concept of God, that we must see God as we have to define that relationship between God and man and who he is a God to. Yes. That there is difference between God created the universe or God created the heaven and the earth and that God is my God. Do you see that? That is not ordinary. When the Lord, the Bible will say, he was speaking to the Israelites and even he said it, I think he said it to Moses too, that I am, I am the God of your father. Well, he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That thing means something. You could have said, I am the God of all the earth. Which is true in a sense. So God is actually more a God to the mountain and the trees than he is to most men. Wow. He is not the God of most men on the earth. Because being a God to somebody means something. This was, praise God. Where did he say, I'm, a, I'm the God of Abraham? A few times, amen. He said, I am the God. He mentioned three people. He didn't mention more than them. He just mentioned three people. He also, it means that those three people, in their relationship, they moved into that state. And Exodus, moreover, he said, Exodus 3, verse 6, he said, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the what? And the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob. He, he mentioned these three people because these people had a unique walk on the earth. That it wasn't a giving that he would become their God. The dealings they had with him were, praise God, and that, this is another one, Matthew 22, verse 32. It says, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, 
but of the living. That statement is, is, a, is a heavy statement. You can say, well, he's just speaking about dead people. No. No. It's actually a, it's an absolute statement. Whether it's death of body, death of spirit, death of soul, is not the God of the dead. Do you get? Now, I will now also add something. You might, it's not there, but I will add it based on our learning, is that he is not also the God of them that have some life. Do you know why? Because those who have some life have some death too, can still have some death. So the amount of death they have disqualifies them for me being their God. There is difference between having life and living. Glory to Jesus. Do you see that? Praise God. He said, I'm not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. That's one thing about God that makes God your God is that he's only a God to people who have a certain kind of life, a certain quality of life. There's not just having it in a little. Amen. There is, you know, what Christ, the, the, the job of Christ, the nature of Christ is to put life in you. They'll put life in you, to put life in you. Now, the foundation of living is life. To be made alive is the foundation of living. When you see somebody living, someone is living because they have life as the foundation. So see, living here more than just having life. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. You know this thing called life is a, mm -hmm. uh, life has, life, um, life has um, different levels of expression. And the, the capacity of expression is tied to the, the quality now, the life that is in Christ, where did it come from? It came from God. Yes, right? It's actually it's a life that is, came out of God's mind. Yes, that this is a life that man should have yes, to, to solidify him and prepare him for my own. So in terms of my way of living, he is a Christ he doesn't have life the way I do. But he has life. So if he has life, but he doesn't have life the way I do, to me he's not living. I can see the life in him, but he's not living to me. Are you getting a sense of this thing I'm telling you? Right? It's us, like Jesus would say, he said that as the father had life in himself, it's us, he had life. Yes. And he calls him the living father. 
is the living father, but that is living according to a certain kind of judgment of living. There's a way you can have life, but when you now, when they try and measure your life oscillation with the judgment that God has, they won't be seeing anything. They say, you are not really doing anything. Do you know why? Because God's life, and the only thing that counts, anything that can stop, God does not, he doesn't see it. God, amen. Amen. These are senses about God that you need to have. Um, If you you are, okay, say, I have charity. Now, God will commend charity. Because he can see charity, because charity is a life that is in you. So he will commend that life that is in you. He himself, it came up from him. So of course he will commend the life that is in you called charity. But if you bring charity to his own realm, and that is what you have, you are, you will, ah! They look at it, they look at it, they say, this, this one can't do much here. Why, because in that his world, the things that they are positioned against are things that breaks down things. Like, like you saw how when they raised Lucifer, son of the morning, and then he fell and became a different vile creature. He fell with a kind of potential, with a strength that is sort of everlasting in him. Do you get what I'm saying? And then such such a being that came from that realm, he came from realm everlasting. See, think of everlasting as a, a world of where everything has a certain property. Yes, they last. Yes, but don't think of lasting only in terms of time. Think of lasting in terms of why does it last? It is a quality of it that makes it last. So that everlasting realm is a realm of things with a certain quality. There's a minimum standard of things in their world. You see the minimum standard. The the basic standard of everlasting life is no variableness. That's it, it's no variable, just no variable. It don't vary, it doesn't vary. (laughs) No variableness, start from there. Are you understanding me? Say no variableness. So your, your sin measurement of righteousness, yes. that thing is a righteousness. Yes, higher than being righteous. Yes, you can have righteousness yes, that can vary yes, because it doesn't have everlasting strength to it. Yes, what can make a, a being who has charity vary? When an angel who's anointed to, to cause variance. It can, there's a realm that, that, you know when that charity is in operation, yes, there's a realm they can throw thoughts from. It's, those thoughts are not just small thoughts, <laughs> just maybe worldly thoughts. Charity can, as well, can, can stand toe to toe with the world and push the world aside. Stay there, it will hold the world at bay and be living. Charity will continue. There's nothing the world will do against charity. It's, it's strong against the world. It will hold the world aside. The world will be shouting, 
you will lose your life. You're losing yourself. Your life is going away. Think, what about your things? About your future? About your tomorrow? Look at that. Isn't that nice? What about the other thing? You will lose that one, no? <laughs> That's the one talking. Yes. Lost are shouting. Yes. Lost of the eyes. Yes. Lost of the, is dancing before your eyes. Look at me, look at me. Lost of the flesh is tapping your flesh. Hey, hey, this way. But charity is strong. Charity can hold the world at bay. But there's a place they can throw thoughts from that is higher than what the world is shouting. It's like the, the, the scarlet end of that, that, you see that beast that is carrying the woman. That's another kind of entity entirely. That one is, a, is, a, is, is beyond worldly conversation. That one can, that one can, when he, begin, when he talks from his place, see that charity guy, he can make the charity guy think. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you can see a guy with charity is in, now you see variableness. Oh. Why? Because of a, a thought. Mm. It's not every kind of suggestion that charity can defeat, mm. even though charity is powerful. It's highly powerful. You need to understand the strength of things. Strength of things. Some thoughts are strong. It's very clear that Satan is strong in his, his thought. He has arguments that he can make to the soul. Amen. Do you sense the devil the way he is? Is there anything about him that makes you feel he can vary? Now maybe one day he can just be nice to you. He'll just say, okay, let's leave this thing. Has he ever, have we ever caught him on our ways before where he felt like he got tired of us and said, okay, you guys, you like this God too much. Oh yeah, go and serve him. Has he ever, have you ever had any idea of him changing his mind before? There's a way, amen. Now, do you see the strength that's warring against man, against man? It's, it's, it's different. It's not, men are not like that. No matter how you say, oh, I, ah, have you met some bad people? I mean, see, the baddest person you've met in your life is not like Satan. Yes. Even the most wicked guy can be nice some days. The most wicked. <laughs> I don't know if you've had such experience before. Yeah. The most bad, wicked person can be, do some good things sometimes. It means that in their own wickedness, it's not everlasting. It's not, they are breakages. They, have, they don't keep transmitting. They can, times where they don't transmit, the thing is short. Nothing is happening. Why is that? Because of the work in them is not finished. They are not yet beastly. They are not beastly in their nature yet. They can be worldly, but they are not beastly. A, a beast is a program. Kai. 
that doesn't shift. Every beast, when they say something is a beast, it means it is specialized in something yes, sir. that it will not stop. It's like trying to convince a leopard not to kill. Hey. Do you understand what I mean? It's a, because it's a beast. It's a beast that is framed to do that. That's the concept of beast. A beast means a specialized creature. Amen. Praise God. Let's let's hear the interpretation of that. Heavens, heavens hold creatures of strength. Heavens hold beings of strength, beings of high strength. And it is not a strength, it is their person. It is their person. It is the person that they are. It is their strength. And who they are is the gift I gave them when I made them. And when he fell, when he fell, those gifts turned. They turned and they remained this person. They remained this person and it is a corrupt strength. It is a corrupt strength. It is a strength that is higher than man. It is a strength that is higher than man that can bring man under. That can bring man under. And that is his goal. That is his goal to bring men under that they will be his beast of burden. That they will be his burden. That they will carry him on their back. They will carry him as their person for they will become like him. But yet I have greater strength. I have greater strength for I want to make you a being of strength. I Just as how they are beings of strength and that strength is not separate from their person. I have come to come to come to make you, to make you strength, to make you strength, to make you a person, a person like I am, like I am. I am a strong being. I am a living being. I live, I live, I live. I am a living being. I want you to live in my realm. I want to make you strong that you may break all forces of the enemy, all strength of the enemy, that you will be able to come against person just by your person. I'm raising you a person like me. God. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> says, and what agreement had the temple of God? Verse 16. What agreement had the temple of God with idols? You see that thing called temple of God. <clears throat> so he's a is a temple who, who God is a God to. Yes, temple here, don't think of house, just think of beings like people, yes, souls, right? Mm -hmm. What agreement has the temple of God with idols for? Ye are the temple of the living God. So the, the temple of, the, of God, of the living God, this temple of the living God is a temple that has dropped idolatry do you see that? Yes, 
So you can see, what is an idol? An idol is a false god. A god that is false. An idol is any other god that is not God. Every other god that is not God. So you now say that idols are problems for man. It's the reason why God is not the God of every man is because of idols. Because men have idols. You see that? So what stops God from being God to a man are the other gods that are idols in the man. So to make God your God, what you have to do is what? You have to deal with the idol. What is an idol? An idol is another entity who is who has a temple is another thing that you that is able to to collect the worship another word for for temple for a god is something that a house has been built to is what makes thing, your God. The word idols here are not small words. It's not every graven image in the natural as an idol. Hmm? When you go to like Africa, you see where, where people worship um, graven images, where they have what we call idolatry. What we know as idolatry in the world is not the real idolatry of men. That when someone, you say, family, we worship this idol. I grew up in Benin. In Benin, they don't hide their own. Some of them, you just see a pole in front of their house, very high. They don't even care to hide it. When you enter some of the houses there, you're just on the side, you just see their shrine, their thing there, they put their stuff. You're aware of such things, eh? Praise God. Amen. So, do you get that? Now, those guys who, who, have such things. That is not their idol. That's not the God that they are worshiping. How, what do I mean? That thing does not have God's status in their heart. It doesn't have God. What you say, idol, is a big thing. An idol really is something that has a kind of God status in their, in their house. So the person who has that thing is worshiping. That might not be his God. His job could be his God. But he has something that he, go, he worships. Yes, sir. When I say job, I mean the, the, that thing of assurance of supply of natural things can be the God. So how you will know is that let him lose his job. He can, he can accuse that idol and throw it all away. Yes, and that's what happened in Benin, actually. A lot, of, a lot of them gave up their idols because of Archbishop. When, he, when Archbishop came, you know, Archbishop was very, very raw with power. You know, just demonstrating of the power of God. And he wasn't a, you know, he wasn't a humble Christian. You know, there are Christians that are supposed to be humble, normally. <laughs> but he, he had anointing against that kind of humility. God framed him a certain way that he, he looks for trouble with his own. Yeah. You know, as a Christian, you're supposed to keep yourself, pray, and then just be silent. Don't make too much noise, you know? His own is, he challenges people. Yes, 
You say, okay, you are, you are a witch doctor, or you are calm. And uh, Benin was, a, uh, was, and to a degree still is, a land of idolatry. Yes, because spirits just, because of the, the activities of people, they were, their traditions were so steeped in doing, in, they opened the doors so much to demons, yes, sir. right? To, and if a king dies, they have to kill people. Young people, bury them. You know those kind of things that they do. The land has had so men have seared their conscience, right, to a great degree on behalf of demons. So those demons had a lot of free access. Uh-huh. But they manifested a lot in form of idols. But a lot of idols are just demons who perpetuate certain things. Praise God. So every idol most likely has a demon behind it. And they are not usually too strong. Amen. So when Archbishop came then in, in Benin, because of his, his version of ministry, you know, you can't deny the power, the authority. Imagine someone, when he just stands, you, 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 go, you have to go to your shrine. You have to do, you know, they do all kinds of things. You go to the junction, you do a sacrifice on the road. Those are the kind of things they do in Benin. When you're walking on the street, you see all kinds of things. Sometimes the smell, you know, you see a goat's head on some, in one calabash, those kind of things. Amen. Very, very annoying thing, eh? But, but you see, people do all that. What are they looking for? It's mostly, ah, let me have food to eat, or let me be favored, or let me not fall sick, let my child be okay, those kind of things. And they have to go through all. This devil is wicked. We make you... It will make you, it will take away your, your pride, your, your humanity, and disgrace you because of demons. Praise God. But then they saw Archbishop, just a guy, just with nice shoe, nice clothes, Mercedes Benz car, everything. And he doesn't do all those things, he just talks. When he speaks, what he says comes to pass. His word does not break, he doesn't make mistake. Sometimes, even when he says it jokingly, it happens. People, you have to be careful around him. Don't make him angry. He can say things. You understand? His, his tongue sets things in motion in, this, in the realm of the spirit. I'm sure maybe the angel assigned to him, he must be one kind of angel that is fierce. You know what I mean? So, and that's what happened in the beginning. They saw this kind of man. What happened? All, many, many, many idol worshippers began to show up in church. Church of God mission. Uh, they, they would just be come, on Sunday. They would just come. I saw him. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, on some of them, the, the gods that they are surrendering, their great grandfather gave it to their grandfather. Their grandfather to their father. He came, he came, but in a moment, just looking at a man who has power. So that means that that thing was not really. If things that I. A God to a man doesn't easily go away like yes. that. Men don't easily give up their gods. Yes. If you give it up easily, it's not your God. Yeah. Check something else. Your God is still hiding. Yes, <laughs> Anything you give up easily is not yours. It's not your God. So it means that all those guys who gave their life to Christ under Archbishop's ministry, they left their ogun and all those things, they threw them away but they came with their gods. Their God was still intact, surrendering. 
their God was still intact for most of them. Some of them will live their whole life and that God, they never changed gods. They are Christians. They are born again. They will go to heaven. Not everybody who is going to heaven has God as their God. God is not the, the God of everybody there. Amen. Amen. Why? Because this is what he's saying here, because he's the God of the living. Say God of the living. <clears throat> Do you want God to be your God? That's, have, you, have you figured it out? That's my message. That's the message I'm preaching to you today. Amen. I'm preaching to you two things. Don't take it for granted, number one. And number two, are you interested? Do you want to have him as your God? Praise Jesus. They say that, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? So it's idols are the things in men that stops God from bringing God to a man. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. So, so you now say that it, won't, it can't, he won't say, I will dwell in them and walk in them if he say giving. Yes, but he's saying, I will. So to be their God, I will first dwell in them, then I will walk in them, and then I will be their God, and they, would, they shall be my people. Then because of this, there are things you now must do to get to this place. What the first thing you need to do is come out from among them and be separate. We have learned separation. Yes, sir. Say the Lord, which, so this Lord here is not God now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. So they've stopped talking about God in verse 16. Yes, verse 17 now, they're not telling you, okay, I, I'm the one, I, God, I'm the one that I want to be in you, to walk in you, and then to be your God. Yes, but therefore, because of this thing I want to do, you must now have to begin to deal with something called Lord. I do not occur to you that when you get born again, who you confess is lordship, is not God. I do not occur to you that getting born again has nothing to do with God. When you read Romans chapter 10. Right? Nothing, at least not directly. What they say you believe that God raised him, him, from the dead as Jesus, right? Not, not you now. It's him who God raised from the dead. You must believe that he was raised from the dead and confess him as your Lord. That's that person called Jesus. That second person called Jesus. You have to confess him. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him, from the dead, him from the dead. You believe that God raised him from the dead, then what will happen? Thou shalt be saved. So you got saved in your spirit man by believing that God raised him from the dead. That is Jesus. Now when you believe that God raised, that's an automatic operation, they qualify you in that thing, that believing. 
that, are you seeing that? As he was raised from the dead, you also, in fact, when they raised him, according to the order of the spirit, you were, so, you were in there, right? That, that, that thing, the, thing of resur- the provision for spirits to be resurrected has already been done a long time ago. When Jesus was raised from the dead, that thing has already been done. That thing is, is actually a law in the spirit. That, and what is the law? It's simple. Resurrection of spirits. The, the, the power for resurrection of spirits has been released. That's what Jesus did for us. The power for spirits to be resurrected has been what? Released. God will never walk that back. It has been released. And the law is just simple. Anybody who believes it, it will happen to them. That's just the simple law. Just believe it, it will happen to you. Very simple. Praise God. So that, so then you now, when you believe that, you now begin what the season of lordship before you, you want to get to this God being your God. But they have, you have to first of all now partake in the ministry of Jesus, which is the ministry of lordship. Right, in the purpose of lordship is to give life. Right, it's for giving of life. How would they give you life? It's by separating you and sanctifying you. Do you see that? So, say the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. So the definition of life, really, full life, is when a soul gets to a point where he doesn't touch the unclean thing. That is a sign that you have life in you. Life in you makes you not touch the unclean thing. Now, there are more dangers than unclean things. But not ability to stay away from things that are unclean is a kind of, another word for for not touching the unclean thing, is being washed from your sins. When they deal with sin on the inside, sin in man is what is the man's tendency. That's really what sin is. Sin is not really what is touching. The unclean things, the world is like a surrounding of uncleanness. Satan made it such that Man must be surrounded by unclean things. And those things that are unclean must be calling men constantly. They have the power to call men. But how how do they call men? It's by appeal. Uncleanness is appealing. Unclean things are appealing. When you say, what are the unclean things? Most of the unclean things seem clean to men. Right? Things in the world. There are things that you will just normally touch. And you will take them and hug them. A lot of unclean things look like babies. You know how you see a baby, you want to hug, I love you, kiss you, everything. That's how, it can be an unclean thing. That's the power of the world. The power of the world is to make an unclean thing look very, very nice. And it, unclean things are cuddly. Uh, you, don't, you don't just deal with them. Uh, just, I'm, just, I'm just managing you. 
The world is not like that. The world comes to you like a baby that needs to be called. Hold me, please. I need to, hey. you need to take care of me, otherwise I will die. I will die. Hug me. Kiss me. Now, when you carry the unclean thing, you see, you have not kissed me yet. Just kiss me. That's how babies are, right? Yeah. No, no, just kiss me. I want you to. That's how the world is. The world wants, the world wants you to cuddle because by your cuddling of the world, what's happening to you? It's a, that thing is, is a, it's against life. Do you understand me? It's against what? Life. That's the, the teaching of Christ is to make you take that thing that looks like a baby. The, Christ is the eye salve. Yay. Wash the eyes. This is not a baby. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So when Christ washes the eye, what would you see? Hey! You see that? What? It's bad. This is... This is... That's thank God for Christ, right? So you, you take, take it away from yourself. You touch not the unclean thing. It's powerful. Say unclean thing. What am I talking about when I say unclean thing? Malice. Have you ever called it malice before? You just hug it. Do you know that malice is a fellowship? Yes. <laughs> you just hug the malice. So malice is a, is a baby that talks, right? It's very cordy, but it can't speak. You see how that's that behavior. What's the point interacting with such a th- such a fellow? Next time, somebody else have to interpret. Are you still here? You're still here. Okay. Capetosa. 
Shatalabados of Prate Ganaste, a Pratebasagalia, Mromos of Ranta, Menaste, a Pretali Savantayarados, a Palegalabosto Brata, Marcostova, a Crustoba, Macriasta Bata, O Lebrehate Valioto Manatiga, last tosta tonto tolio, a Levelemesepania Grenta Labosopali Estobanta, a Levreto Mecoquier, a Levrontuquier, O Meske, Eke, Ke, 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 Lemeketoke, Evantuke, Lecont, Ke, 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 Mexi, Ke, Ke, Kes, 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 your Kes, your Kes, your Kes, the things that you care for, the things that you think about, those are the things that the world is bringing around you. They are the things that they run around you, that they bring around you, your Kes. I've said, take, I said, take no thought, take no thought. Take no thought for the cares of this world. Take no thought for the cares of this world. Take no thought for the cares of this world. For in the cares of this world lie your idols. Lies your idols. For the things you care about in this world, that is where your idols lie. That is where the deep secret things lie. And they go deep down and hide. And they hide. They hide. They hide in your blindness. They are subtle. 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 They are very subtle. And they are very quick and appealing to your eyes to your eyes but I'm come to give you eyes that you may discern that you may discern that you may discern and you may take no cares that you may take no cares in this world for if you begin to cares for this world it will lead you it will lead you to becoming a beast it will lead you to beastly life to beastly life the cares of this life the cares of this life are not compared to the glory that will be revealed in you when you become like me for take no thought Take no thought. Take no thought. It is the way. It is the way. It is the way to discern and to abandon your idols. It is by taking no thought. Taking no thought. Taking no thought. But set your affection on me. Take no thought for the things of this present world. Take no thought and take no cares for the things of this present life, says the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. Shaprana. Yes. Karamaho. Kari Karamaho. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Let me check first. Does anybody else want to interpret it? If you have faith to interpret it, just tell me. Okay, any?
I've come with great help. For I've come with great help. For I've come with great help to open your eyes to see the warfare. Don't pity her and her children. Don't pity her and her merchandise. Many have made unholy alliance with even things from the world. For I have come with eyes serve. I've come to open your eyes to see the enemy in your members, to see the enemy. She has bought your love. She has bought your love. Over time, over time. But here is mercy. Here is grace upon his lips. Here is help for the church. Fight the warfare. Lose this life to gain another. For a seed must die. For a seed must die. For another life to spring out of you. You must fight to hate your life. You must fight to hate your life. Why in the times of the end? For she is showing another wine. For she is advancing. For she is mutating again. Those words that sound like love in your heart, begin to judge them. Begin to judge them with the Christ light and even with the present light for the safety in the pastures. Year and live. Year and live. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's so, that's so accurate. Amen. As, as the tongue was coming, I was saying, um, I was, the Lord was just showing me a deception about, you know, while, are, while the, the world is going forward, the devil is also has sent, he sends preachers too. So anytime, he can never let preaching go like that. That's it. And just know that anytime he knows preaching message is coming, he also sends spirits who can interpret the message. That's why sometimes you take, it can take you months, sometimes years, before a truth will land. Aha, so you, this is what they've been saying since, this thing, but you didn't see it in that light. Because of that, there's always that war of the sower, that parable of the sower, there's that war over the seed. Praise God. And so when we speak about this, this thing called the word uncleanness, you know, when you say unclean, touch not the unclean, the picture you have is something somewhere that you should not avoid touching. But that picture is not the right picture. It doesn't show you the real state of things. That it's not something somewhere you should avoid touching. It's the unclean is inside you. That's which you should not touch. It's inside you. Amen. So when we are teaching about the world, the world, we, we see the world as, ah, out there. It's something called the world. Maybe you need to have, maybe the way there's a world in your work. So when you go there, be careful. Don't touch the world there. When you go into the mall, there's a world in the mall. So don't touch, maybe when you're looking at a dress, use it only holy eyes to look at it. <laughs> Make sure that if you decide to buy it, that the world in the dress is not. <laughs> Praise God, but I understand that, that one of seeing the world as something external you need to avoid, but that's not the real thing. There's a sense of that, but the world lives in you. Yes. Sorry, I'm saying you. Yes. Don't be offended at that. I want to try and shock you with that word. 
because it's actually true, you understand? If it's not there, we don't need for preaching. So it's, it's living, we have our own portion of it. And it's very telling the way First uh, John 2 was speaking about it. He said, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. And he's now saying that these are the things in the world. Lost of the eyes, lost of the flesh, pride of life. Is there any of those things that lives outside people? Can you say, okay, I'm going to this, this, this model, there's a pride in the mall. <laughs> or there's a, the lost, what is a lost? Lost is the property of yes, men. Sir. Men have, they are lost. Say, say they are lost. When say you ask, you don't receive because you, you ask a miss to spend it on your lost. Is it the Bible that uses that language? Say your. It means it's a property. Yes, Everybody has their own property. Yes, there is a lust that is your own. I'm sorry to say that. Sir, you, maybe you feel like you should be blessing us. Why are you sounding as if you are saying, don't confess, confess wrong things about me. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not giving you a wrong confession. Praise God. If the Bible says you're lost, I can have some liberty as a preacher of the Bible to also join the Bible to say it's your lust. Don't hide, don't, don't try and put it off. It's your own. Do you understand? If I say, I can say your world. I can say that I just came to preach to your world today. Is he okay? Can I preach to yes, the, the world inside of you? Praise God. So that thing called the world is, is like, it's, it's inside this lost that they want. So when they say do not, to learn not to touch the unclean thing, what they actually mean is that the unclean thing that you are cuddling, yes, sir. you're actually cuddling it and touching it. Learn how to remove it from you and not to touch the unclean thing. Do you see that? Yes. Now, I said idols, right? Yes, sir. It's very clear that those idols that is stopping God from being the God to men. They are idols in men. When when you're saying, oh, I love this, that thing, because I love that thing that I'm not serving God well, what you really love is not really that thing you're seeing externally. It's something inside of you you are in love with that projects that thing to you. Are you understanding what I'm trying to say? Now, if an idol is a God that your soul has, based on what I've been, what I've been teaching, you know, I taught you the other side of it. Yes, I said that God is living. Yes, right? He's a, God is a kind, is a nature yes, that, is, that has a life expression, yes, but is a, is a living life yes, that should sit upon a life foundation. Yes, that that life foundation, which is Christ, yes, that should sit in the heart, yes, which God, God's own way of life should come ride upon. Yes, sir. That's the way you, you see that idea yes, of God. Sir. Yes, sir. Now, when you come to the other side, yes, sir. it means that every idol also has a foundation. Yes, sir. It's true. Yes, sir. Every idol, and you cannot deal with an idol until you deal with the foundations of the idol. If you, and that's how, that's how salvation occurs. When you deal, you remove the foundations of idols, you expose the idol. Right? Yes, sir. Because it is actually God's own life 
what makes, what, what deals with idol is the walking of God in men. That, that living God, walking in men. But he doesn't come to walk until if the idol still have refuge. It still has a foundation. God will be checking the idols in you. Does he still, do you still have a foundation for idols? When they check that your idols still have foundation, you cannot take God's life yet. It's not, they won't talk about changing your God. You must first of all deal with what are the foundations of that God. The foundation of idols is sin. Do you see that? Yes, sin in, in man, after you want sin is, sin is not the unclean thing you are touching. No. Sin is the lust that is in you mm-hmm. that, wants the, that loves the unclean. Yes. It's the attachment. So if you are, I, I mentioned that malice thing, and when I, when I t- touch malice, the tongue broke up. Let's come back to that malice area. There's something, in, that's how you know there's something there when tongues come and they, <laughs> So, so it means that malice in someone who is hugging malice and kissing malice in their soul. That, so that malice is a foundation for something. So now how, how, how ugly, how dreadful is that a thing that has malice at its foundation? It means that it's a foundation for a monster. Yes, yes, yes. So, if you, are, if you are keeping malice, you are breeding ground for a monster, for a beast. You are, you are, like you are dressing, it's like you want, to have a, you want to have a baby, you do the night, dress the court, dress everything. You are, it's coming, it's coming. Preparation for arrival. You see, he spoke about all malice. Oh, if you now go to that chapter seven, um, all filthiness, right? right. But having therefore these promises, therefore below, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting what? In the fear of God. All filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, learning how to perfect holiness in the world, in the fear of God. So these are the things that you need to be careful about. If you want to prepare your heart for God, for the life of God, deal with all the things that feel cordly to your soul. I'm using that word because it, I don't know if there's a better word to speak about the things. That the things that are, Satan has, is laying as his foundation in the heart of men are uh, not things that easily, you know there's something, you know, ah, this one should stop now. It's easy, if, if someone is fornicating now, it's not hard for you to know that this thing is bad. You, don't, you yourself don't even like it, you know? You know, demons of fornication are ugly demons. You see how ugly they are. They are so ugly, they are spiritual, but they are so ugly that their ugliness shows in the natural. And even somebody without spirituality knows this thing is ugly, man. It's, it's, a, it's a bad thing. Yeah. You know, and, but they try to even dress it up. 
you know, in the world. They try, they, are trying, they try to make it normal. It's just a normal thing. You know, it's just, you know. No matter how you try and make fornication like a cultural, it's just a thing, you know, you just, uh, just do anything you like. There's no how that you can successfully pull it off. <laughs> After doing it, the person doing it secretly when it's going home. The whole world has approved it too. So he has approval from the world. But when he's going home, he's like, he just he feels like he has just given you can't fornicate and feel okay. Fornication is an admission of weakness. It's like it's like you're an animal. You are not better than a dog. It's like you are, you are a slave yes, to, yeah. your, to your passion. Yes, you are a slave to your feeling. As you are as grown up as you are, you can't control yourself. Yeah. And even though the world celebrates it, inside you, you know who you are. Yeah. It's ugly. And there's nothing the world can do to make it beautiful. Amen. Amen. But there are things that someone can have that make that feel nice. It's not the feeling of fornication. When you are doing them, you actually feel okay. That you feel there's a kind of comfort that you are satisfied with those things. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read this scripture, but there's a way we're going to read it. Okay, go down to charity, Char- charity, suffer it long. Charity, now, charity, suffer it long. Okay, now let's see a soul that, that does not suffer long. So, a soul that doesn't suffer long, that doesn't have the ability to suffer long, they usually don't feel bad about it. They, there's a configuration that makes you, that will make you feel okay. Because how, let me explain it to you, it is that, that the dealing that should make you suffer long you see that's a problem to quickly solve and feel good about yes, it. Yes, sir. You, you see, what, what, what is the, the design against long suffering is a nice, um, resourceful image, posture, that can be very marketable. Yes, sir. 
somebody who has power against long suffering yes. can be the friend of many people yes, sir. because they solve problems quickly. Yes, <laughs> After a while, they, they deal with the they kill long suffering in them. Yes, they are agents of, against long suffering. They, be, they solve problems of others. Hey, why are you wasting time in this thing, man? Look, we have to figure out this thing. So don't stay in this place for too long. There are, th- there are some things you need to do. There's a good feeling about it. Now, I want you to see that that can be a righteous praying guy. He will tell you, this, this is how you pray about this kind of thing. There's a way you talk to God about it. Do this kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's actually, it's a stature that is a foundation for an idol. Do you understand what I mean? But, it, but he, he, he can't feel bad about that the way someone who fornicates feels bad. Do you understand what I mean? But because it's a higher thing. Guys, people like this, they are not usually slow, they are usually fast. Before everybody is trying to grapple, hey, problem, everybody is discouraged, they've already found solution. They know what to do. They are anointed to make that suffering not last long. To solve the problem, <laughs> do you understand? It's in, I'm interpreting natures, and some of us have this in different ways. To out, ability, the, the power against long suffering is skill to escape dealings of the spirit. Before the dealing land, you are no longer there, you have shifted. The dealing. <laughs> Everything that we will rearrange. You know what I mean? Before, they have power to turn dealing to testimony. Quickly. Very, very quickly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a dealing that heaven was bringing. It has already turned to testimony. Just two days after. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The empowerment against long suffering. Well, it's, it's hard to, for you to see such a thing. I mean, as a person who is journeying in the spirit, to see that as a problem is difficult. You need charity eyes to detect such things in yourself. Yes, sir. Look at the next one. It's kind. Charity is kind. So kindness that flows from charity, this is not niceness of people in the world. There's a difference between kindness and niceness. Kindness comes from good. Right? Kindness, there there are things behind kindness. Actually, kindness comes from good. Kindness actually is a, is a product of mercy. Yes, kindness means act born from mercy. Yes, so when you see this kind thing, someone who is kind, when kindness is in manifestation, um, it operates, it manifests in such a way that if it wasn't there, Nobody would have noticed. Yes, sir. Yes. Kindness operates in the zone where there's no expectation. Nothing was expected of you in that situation, but mercy spoke to you. There's something you should do here. That you could have easily omitted it. Nobody will ask you a question. You are not 
tied to the situation. You're not responsible for it. Nobody will query you and say, hey, but you should have done something there. That was your responsibility. No, it wasn't your responsibility. You might not even have been involved. It's not your role to play. Are you honest? So this is not good deed. When somebody who is kind like this, charity kindness, is not stuff that you do. They pl- ah! It's not that kind of thing where you, you spring to action because it was incumbent upon you. <laughs> So it's time for you to show your righteousness and do what is required of you. Someone who doesn't have this kindness leaves righteousness in in the spirit undone. Do you get what I'm saying? That he's doing many things that are necessary, but in the realm of the spirit, there there are other requirements. Standard that men don't even see. Nobody expects anything from you. But a man of charity will do it this way. There are some things you will be wired to see and do. Nobody else sees that. Are you get what I'm saying? That's it. Come from it's, it's deeds that spring out of a merciful place. Like if God just left all of us and did nothing to us, who will ask him question? Nobody. Even if they would have asked him question, there's nobody to ask him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. <laughs> nobody will ask him question. Mercy, that's how mercy operates. If God didn't make you, would anybody query him? No, but imagine you make a thing, he's giving you a problem, you keep blessing, you're not tired. You, when you say, I don't want you, hey, come, come here, you want me. <laughs> God will plan behind your back <laughs> to save you. And you, 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 you can wait for thousands of years, he's not getting tired. No, he's not doing that because he's answering to anybody. Are, are you seeing an example of kindness, yeah. kindnesses? So this thing called kind is just a, it's a foundation for such a thing. Now God does it at an, at an eternal level. God's strength of kindness is eternal. There's an everlasting version of kindness that's everlasting. It's still higher than this one. But this is the charity one, the foundation of it. Are you seeing? I'm showing you an example of, of this thing called charity. So you see what this kindness is. Kindness is secret righteousness of good. That is, comes from the inspiration, merciful inspiration. When you can easily opt out and not do it. It's a higher standard in the spirit. So you see this thing here. It, it is, it you cannot do it and be okay. But being okay doesn't mean you are okay. Your inability to fulfill kindness is unclean. Uh, are you seeing charity standard? When you're offending charity, most people will not know. You might be very righteous according to the general population, they will say, oh wow, be a nice guy, righteous guy, you are, you are our standard, you are our example. Or you can be breaking charity. Because this is the it's heart, you're speaking about the ends of the commandment. The end of the commandment. When you're touching the end of the commandment, you are moving towards the source of the commandment. You are, when you're getting to the end of the commandment, you are beginning to fulfill the motives yeah. of the commandment. Yes, sir. You're not just doing yeah. do's and don'ts. You are, 
your, 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 your charity is a spirit. You have entered into the spirit of the commandment. Kindness comes from a spirit. It's a spiritual thing. You are someone who is being kind like this, who's suffering long. He's obeying a spirit. Is the spirit of charity. When you come out, you, you might not be able to see physical, tangible laws they are, that they are breaking or they are fulfilling, but it's a law in the spirit. It's called the, law, the spirit of life in Christ. So it means kindness is a spirit. This thing is off. Kindness is a spirit of life. It's part of the spirit of life. It's a fruit of the spirit of life in Christ. Long suffering is a fruit of the spirit of life. And you see, that thing called spirit of life in Christ is a foundation for the life of God. So you will not be able, you can't, you can't just journey from only doing the obviously necessary. You can't just jump from that level of life to desiring everlasting life. Eh? It will, everlasting life will still be a preaching to you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't jump from just doing what is necessary. Once you are moved beyond the point where everybody can detect you, mm. that you are, you are breaking laws, you, you rest mm-hmm. there, that, ah, I'm beyond detection. Yes, <laughs> but you are supposed to move from that place, to move, move higher, begin to obey the spirit mm-hmm. of life. You should move from obeying the ins- just the instructions of life to obeying the spirit of life. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. From obeying the, or another word, with the best, the right way to put it is, move from obeying the precept of life to obeying the spirit of life. You should, and it, and it requires you, for you to obey the spirit of life, you must have gained ability to read the spirit of life. See how I describe long suffering, describe charity. It's clear the person who does that because they are able to read spirit. It's the, it's the accurate reading of the spirit that will make you realize there's a kindness that should be done here. It's, it's spirit you are reading. Same thing with the next one. We can go on because of time. Envy. Say envy. Ah, envy. This one can easily go detected. Easily undetected, sorry. Envy can go easily undetected, very easily, very easily. Wow, wow, I just appreciate you. Wow, 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 you're just, God is good to you. God is so good to you, you are, you, are, you know, we look up to you, you know that. I wonder you, sir. You know the language, you know? You have the language. <laughs> we, have, we have the language, eh? We need to move beyond the language to the spirit. So that we are under you, sir. We have the language. Do you have the, do you have the spirit of we are under you? Now, there are guys who don't even have the language at all. There are some guys, their own language is, hey, we are all doing this thing together, you know. It's, you know, yeah. 
Some guys, their language, hey, don't fall behind. Don't <laughs> 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 <None> carry last. <laughs> Jesus. Well, at least we have gotten to, we are under you, but that's our common language. We are, so we are trying, you know, and it's because of precepts. We know that when you read the Bible, that's how they talk. The Bible talks that way. So we've taken the language, but we have not, I'm talking about now the spirit. The spirit. There's a spirit of that thing. Say, so envy it not. So charity, as the spirit of life, has its own definition of this, and not envying. What does it mean not to envy? To, en- to envy means, this is, the, this is the secret. When you know that you fulfill envy it not, it's when you've got into a place where you, you only live through others. You live through what? Others. One of others, yeah, your brethren. You live through them. Where if he has something, it is to you you have it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the only thing that stops envy. Do you agree? Yes, sir. Hmm. Hmm. So envy is not that, ah, God bless you. Ah, God will still do our own, shall we are waiting? I want to be like you very soon. You thank God for them, but when, after thanking God for them, you are not hey, you not check your own side. Ah, we still need to. But you know, you will not say that aspect. So outwardly, say, "Wow, what a humble guy! He just he just happy with everybody. He likes everybody's progress." But secretly, you know, you are checking your own side. That ah. There's a gap here, we need to. <laughs> so, the spirit of envy at not, that is the, nobody can detect that you are not here. It's a spirit, it's, in, it's an inward conversation. Do you get what I'm saying? You must, so, so, if you have not gotten to this thing I'm describing as spirit, don't calm down and say, ah. I'm fulfilling the code now. We know we all, you know, everybody according to the Aisana language. God sees this one. This is this thing that I'm describing. These are the foundation that He's looking for to come. It's not just your handling of the precept. He's checking the spirit of life. Do you have the spirit of life in Christ? Am I making some sense to you? Not envying means that if literally if something happens to you, the joy that fills my heart mm-hmm. is like it happens to me also. Yeah. Can you be envying of envy? Can you envy something you have? Ah, yes, yes. If you envy, it's because you, are, you still have a sense yes. yeah. that your brother has something, you still feel like, ah, this is his own. Yes, sir. Me, I don't have yes, sir. my own. Yes. When your brother has a beautiful gift, hmm. awesome, the Lord poured something inside of him. You, his soul hmm. flows in some kind of way hmm. that is so beautiful hmm. and so desirous. Hmm. You know that can be causes of envy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, spirit man. Yeah. Yeah. Man of the spirit, we know. Yeah, better than also, we know we are just under you and everything. But what happened? You don't see that as yours. Mm. You don't celebrate it as yours. Mm. You don't clap when it's in operation like yours. Mm. You don't enjoy it like your own. Mm. 
yes, you enjoy yourself more than him. Yes, you should enjoy him yes, and be okay. Yes, sir. He, I'm not saying you enjoy him and enjoy yourself to know. I mean that he should become your enjoyment. Yeah. You, should, and you have no other enjoyment until you meet, you, wow. you jam him. Wow. That's charity. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not making it too high. I know what I'm saying is just charity. We are not talking about. Uh, not, we are not putting the everlasting. You get what I'm saying? So God doesn't put. They don't put everlastingness on knowing precept. That thing you can't. That is too weak. It's, it's not too weak, but it's not strong enough to last. Yes, sir. Anything that that lasts must first be spiritual. Is after it becomes spiritual, then I begin to talk about, okay, let's move it higher to another quality. Do you get what I'm saying? This should be very clear to you, like the, like the father. Do you think the father envies something in the son? Like, like when, when you glorify the son, do you think the father is, yeah, pray now, come on, pray to me. Waiting. <laughs> You've been only praying to, every time, Jesus, Jesus, don't you have a father? Okay, go and ask Jesus who raised him from the dead. Did he raise himself? <laughs> now, you see why they can't admit all of us to that they are world just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what they are expecting of us is what they are doing. When he, the spirit of truth, is coming, he will guide you into all truth. We take For he shall not speak of himself. Hey, How can you be Holy Ghost and not speak of yourself? He will not speak of himself. That's one thing he never does. You can never open the scripture, the revelation of the Holy Ghost, which God gave unto him. Check it. Check the Bible. He's, he's absent. Actually, check it. To know him, Holy Spirit, must be learning the Son. While you are learning the Son, you start knowing him. While you are learning the Father. There's a way he put himself in the book. Even Jesus said, I don't bear witness of myself. Even though if I did, the witness would be true. But I don't bear witness of myself. He just kept speaking concerning his father. It's not me, I don't. The father doeth the works. The son can do nothing of himself, but that which the father does. Same thing, the father doesn't speak of himself either. He just raised his son. Look at this son, you see him? This is my best thing. Let all the heavens and earth worship him. Waving the son before everybody. All angels. Do you think the father was, why are you worshiping? Worship me. I'm the one you should worship. When he bring it in. Now, why did he bring in the first begotten? Did he not know they were worshiping? Knowing fully well, they would turn and begin to worship him. He brought in the first begotten into the world. Let all the angels 
Worship him. Worship the son. That's the heart of the father. While you're worshiping the son, he's dancing. He's dancing. He's happy. He's bubbling. While you're you are worshiping his son. Worship him. Worship him. He deserves all. God made him to be glorified. Glorified him. He took everything in him and put it on the son. Make you beautiful. Give you all the, he reached into his most dangerous oil. It's called the oil of gladness. He poured it on the son. Gave him everything. Thy throne, oh God, is my throne, oh but it's now thy own. As far as I'm concerned, it's thy throne. Oh God, thy throne. Oh God, take my name too. Let them call you God. For everything. Are you seeing their standard? It's not, it's not, they're not trying to tell us things they're not doing. The way these beings are, you detect it in how, the way you even relate to them. When you are praying to Jesus, you don't feel bad that you are ignoring God. There's somehow in your relationship with them, when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, as if God is included. The reason why you feel that way is because of how he, they present themselves to you. That they are the same. You don't feel like you are cheating one against the other because they get glory from each other. And they, they, are, they do it with an everlasting strength. There's no, there's no variableness of, or shadow of turning. There's no, they can never shift from such a position. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, so this kind of nature, you can, you can continue. It's not puffed up and all of that. Amen. But because of time. So all we are talking about is uncleanness. Are you seeing that unclean? Or touching not the unclean thing. You now understand that it's more than the the external, that you've not started not touching the unclean yeah. until you have begun to transact in the spirit of life. Yes, if you've not, you're not able to, your life, your conversation hasn't entered the spirit of the life of Christ, I assure you, you are still touching the unclean. I assure you that they are still, no matter how clean you feel, you, know, you can feel clean sometimes. When you just spend some time in the world and you just listen to a message, you just blasted your tongue, you just come out, you know, you just feel, praise God. You just look at the world, you just see everything, alignment, you can, you are reading things, you know what I mean? It's, everything you look at, the scripture has something to say. That verse, you know that kind of feeling? Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> when you check your account, you've done your giving for the month, you gave your offering, you gave your tithe, then additional to other people, you share things, you've done, you, know, you just feel okay. But those are nice. Are you? That doesn't mean you might. You can be doing that below the spirit. <laughs> below the spirit is, is then it's not charity. Charity is different. It's it's called charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. So it's clear a good conscience is the platform. Where God, when you say your conscience is good, is a conscience that vibrates with the life, the spirit life, the law of the life of the spirit of Christ. I love, they say good conscience. They didn't say good mind. No, you can live according to precepts of your mind, but. It doesn't still meet the, the demand of a good conscience. What they call a good, the good conscience of a man is 
the goodness of that Christ, the spirit of the life of Christ in him. That kind of man, you can't compare any kind of man on the earth with such a person. That's the best that the man can be. When you arrive at that, that thing called good conscience, then God will say, this is the foundation. That's the foundation that standeth sure. Having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. It's actually a mark of ownership. You know, God can only own spiritual people. You, are, you must be spiritual. That's the, the spiritual man is a man that lives by the life of Christ, by the law of the spirit of life in what? In Christ. That is spiritual. Being spiritual, you, when you become spiritual, are you understanding me? Like Christ is the spiritual man, not according to precepts. When you, are, you just live by precepts, you only handle precept. You are not yet spiritual. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you become spiritual is when you have come into that spirit of life. Yes, and that becomes your way of living. Yes, Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So that spiritual man, amen, is amen. when you become spiritual, is actually a state, a configuration of ownership. That's the point where God owns you. Do you know that? That's when God owns you. He's not yet your God, but he's, you belong to him. Do you understand? It's not everything God owns. Anything that's not spiritual, God, if he tries to grasp you, he can't take you. He can't, the only thing that, God can only take you as his own when you are beginning to live by the law of the word spiritual of life. And when he now takes you, the reason why he wants to take you, he wants you to be a land that he will walk. I will be in them and then I will walk in them. That him walking you is a training. Right? That makes you become the temple of the living God. That will make God. Now, can God, God cannot walk in you if you are not spiritual. You must be spiritual. Yes, sir. You must be spiritual. Yes, there are some of you here, you've tried to, I'm not trying to discourage all of you, eh? Because you, you're all beautiful people, everybody here. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Everybody here. And not lovely by your own ability, by your own strength, it's because of the grace that we have found and mercy that God has given to us. Do you understand? But there's a feeling that can set in that you have tried. You have not tried. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Right? I'm, I'm showing the standard to you. I'm telling you what is the standard. You see, are you seeing that, that other further step that you are seeing? That you feel like it's not really required because nobody is seeing it. I'm just here to tell you that it's necessary. Be bold. Have courage. Take that one. As, your, as a new standard. Go deeper. Reach more into the invisible things that nobody can see, but where the law beckons. There's a, that secret spiritual law that is that's speaking to you. You can obey better. You can obey more spiritually. When you look at all the reasons why you should, you should rest yeah. and you've done enough, that law will tell you you can move higher, upgrade it even more, move into the spirit of it. 
praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. Hallelujah. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. When you do you see when they say there is no therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, see that word condemnation. Now, that word condemnation there is, is, is not talking about maybe you condemning yourself. That, when they say, now, condemnation are in levels, what they call condemnation. It's of, definitely relative to God, definitely. Mm -hmm. But, and that, the opposite of condemnation is usefulness. Right, so when condemnation is that which puts you below usefulness, below being useful. When you say this is condemned, I mean I can't, it's not use, it's not fit for use. We are not saying it's not perfect. Something can, it might not be perfect, but it can be fit for use. Yes, and the use can be the process of perfecting it. Yes, right, but when you say something is condemned, it's not fit, there's nothing you can, when you take it, it has no value. It is condemned. So this language of condemnation is relative to God. Yes, that is what Christ comes to heal, to solve. Christ comes to solve condemnation. With relative to God. Christ comes to elevate you into a status of usefulness before God, where God can pick you. That's the presence of laying, raising the foundation for God. And to get to this point, it's only them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Who walk not after the flesh, but who walk? I, you see, I want you to picture walking after the spirit. Now, see that as, a, as the next standard for you. See that as your challenge. It's beyond holding precepts. You hold precepts, it will help you to give you the framework, the definition, to help you sort of be able to see the landscape of the spirit where you ought to walk. That's what precepts do. They help you to unveil, open up the landscape of walking. But you, don't, you now have to learn how to walk after the spirit. When you're walking after the spirit, your standard is the spirit. Who walk after the spirit, but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord will help us. Um, I, hope, I hope this this blesses you and this means something to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
Just begin to pray to the Lord. However, this ministers to your heart. Just um, please, we'll still pray just a little, uh, just to say something. Um, you know, it says that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you buy the spirit mortified as put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 13. If you through the spirit, it's through the spirit that you, you mortify the deeds of the body. This, this body is, is full of deeds. Everything you do, they are, they are stored up. They are called deeds of the body. It doesn't mean the outward man. That word body is, is the house. Yes. Like, you can have a whole house. The deeds of a house are those, those inside the house that are doing it. It's, it's actually coming from the down, the spring of their heart. All these deeds, what they call the deeds of the body. But he said that those things, it's only through the spirit you can unroot them. You can uproot these deeds. You know, those deeds that fountain out. They don't, they don't, they won't obey anything short of this thing. He said, if you live after the flesh, you will die. The word live after the flesh is sort of an, it's almost like an oxymoron. Living after the flesh, then you will die. What do you mean by live after the flesh? Is that Somebody is trying to live, but they are doing it after the flesh. What he's saying here is quite deep. He's talking about, it's not, you see, true. He's talking about the method. He's not talking about somebody who, I like sinning, no, I don't care about God. No, he's talking about those who are trying to live. It's how do you do it, the secret of how you do it. He's still teaching the law of the spirit of life in Christ. There's a way someone might want to live Inherit Christ, inherit God, but they don't know. They are doing it after the flesh. Not, they don't know through the Spirit. They don't know how to do it through the Spirit. It is through the Spirit. Only the, through the Spirit can you mortify the deeds of the body. The thing with doing it after the flesh, after some time, that will die there is like, you will give up. Yeah. This quest will end. Do you know that? Do you know that if, if you are not able to move into the spirit quickly, after a while, you just you hold precept. Those precepts, you will lose them. After some time, you will get tired of them. You might, they might become boring to you. Yes. After a while, every message will, will, will seem the same. Do you know that every message is the same, really? Yes. Most of the time, it's almost over the same thing we keep teaching over. It's the same precept we, are, we keep talking about. But if the only thing that makes it constantly new, alive, is when you are approaching the learning of God with the orientation of the spirit. Do you get? So you look at that First Corinthians 13 we just read. Now, there are, there are precepts there, very clearly. But each time you look at that same verse, I'm just seeing spirit. They are, I'm seeing spirit education. 
So when you read this verse, if you are able to, if you are after the flesh, just look at this verse. After some point, you will get tired and drop it. You will be able to quote it. For if you leave a coin, sorry, not this one, 1 Corinthians 13, glory to God. Charity, suffereth long, is kind, envieth not, unvanted not itself. You can quote it. Yes, sir. But you quote and quote, it lose meaning to you. All it will mean to you is that there's long suffering in charity, kindness, so let me try and be kind. Let me try and be, it, it's flat, there's, you can't go beyond that. There's nothing, there's no journey in that place. Are you see, it's not that, this kindness can mean many things. <laughs> it is, but when you are, if you now take it through the spirit, how you take it through the spirit is that you allow the spirit to give you an insight into the life standard that the precept is lifting. That is where the journey is. Sometimes where we fail, where we make mistake is that we, are, we don't take the spiritual journey. Right? In your, in, your, in your present, I'm sorry I'm taking some time, we'll be done very soon. In your present environment, yes, let's say in your immediate Maybe with your friends, with your housemates, and all of that, there can be opportunities for, for progress with this verse. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you will never see it if you're just coming to a meeting and reading it, no, and they're preaching about it. No. But if you, are, if you have an inward posturing through the spirit, in other words, what you see is you are seeing the spiritual demand. And when the spirit, that law of the spirit is calling for a higher response, you will interpret it in your environment. That's, that is how that's, spiritual people are spiritually sensitive. Some of us are more sensitive to cloth, shoe, house, what else? Food. How do I know? When your friend touches any of those things, your whole life reacts. Yes, sir. <laughs> but you can be living with somebody, you are sensitive to everything about you guys, but you lack sensitivity about his soul. Yes, sir. <laughs> about that person's soul in terms of how that relationship yes, is. But it's when you are living through the spirit, the, the, the spirit will hardly be talking to you about their car, their house, their this, how, and your own, and how you interact with each other's properties. A lot of times that's what causes problems and fight and malice and all of those things. Yeah. But when you are living through the spirit, you, you, you see you're living with another entity. Yes, and what does he mean to you? A being to be loved, to die for, to sacrifice for. A source of dealing for you to learn brokenness, humility, all of those things. You, you get what I'm saying? But only through the lens of the Spirit can you begin to change such a perception. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It means that you will not speak to Him rashly because of mm. things, corruptible things. Mm. Yes, sir. There's no time, but I just hope that you get the sense of what I'm talking about. When you move into this zone of work, you can Bible cannot be boring to you. You don't even need one verse will be speaking to your life. You'll be you'll be seeing this, it, the spirit behind the precepts. It, the precepts should open up a whole land of walking Jesus. to your soul. It's in that journey you meet God. 
God is in the spirit. Do you believe me? Yes, sir. Just, I'll pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word today. We receive your word. We receive your grace. We ask, Lord, that let this not just be words, but we know that behind this words there is a release of grace, of strength, of ability. But for every heart that is sincerely open, looking for, Lord, to be a participant in this, this, this mode of living which you are unveiling to us, both in Christ and in God. I ask that let the grace for such life flow from your heart. Let it flow from the person of Jesus into us. I pray that nobody here, no one under the sound of my voice will end up being bankrupt of this thing. These are the true riches of the kingdom. These are the riches of glory which will furnish our hearts with. Thank you. Make us strong. Make us firm. Strengthen us to deal with our idols and everything that is forming a foundation for idolatry. Move them out of the way. And Lord, Father, raise a foundation for yourself that you will find in us a temple for your eternal habitation. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.